Oh, thank you guys so much. It is so exciting to be here today. Is anybody excited to be here? Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's, we just want to welcome you. It's a super cool Sunday. Royal Family and Track Commissioning took place in first service, and that was just awesome. I want to encourage you guys, if you have never participated in those ministries, it was definitely something to, to look into. It is awesome. I have the opportunity to work with uh, the track camp. I'm going. I got my shirt on underneath. I'm sporting it. It's awesome. Check that out. It's a great opportunity. So we want to welcome you guys in the gym. So great to have you. I'm excited for you guys down there. It's going to be fun. Hopefully, I'm in the shot well. I got my hairs cut just for you guys in the gym so I would fit into the shot because I'm a little bit taller and wider than Pastor Jeff is. So if I'm not in the shot, I'm sorry. We, so we just want to, we're going to get started today. And we are doing this series called Red Letter Revolution. And we are going to talk about some of the hard teachings that Jesus said and couple them with uh, the revealed truth and allow God to let a spiritual revolution take place in our lives. And, and children are such a huge part of our lives and, and our society. And it's so cool to see churches like New Life, you know, have junior high youth pastors, have children's pastors, uh, sponsor these camps because children are a gift from God. Amen? It's awesome to see the twins here. I've been praying for a long time that I have twins. It's one of my heart's desires to have a little Luke and Alea uh, someday. So I'm, I'm just waiting for that and We'll see if we ever get twins, I don't know. But children are such an amazing gift from God. And we're going to talk about kind of the focus of what it looks like to have faith like a child. And we're going to look at what Jesus says in Luke chapter 18 about that here in just a minute. But the thing that we get to know right away, if you have children or if you've worked with children, is that, you know, children have a very different perspective than you and I, don't they? Right? <laughs> when I was a kid, uh, I, uh, we lived in Minnesota, and so... Uh, whenever there was a huge snowstorm, uh, you know, the natural thing to do is to flick on the high beams. And as a kid, that was my favorite thing in the world because if you're driving in snow and it's coming on, what happens when you flick on the high beams? It's like, it's all coming at you. If you've ever seen Star Wars, it's just like you're going into hyperspace, right? It's like, ooh, like, yeah! And my mom's like, oh no, we're gonna die! And I'm like, this is awesome! And so, you know, as a kid, my, my perspective, uh, was, was very different on that. Uh, there was another time when I was growing up, I got to babysit uh, my little little niece. And I remember we went to this really, really nasty place. Uh, it was, it was kind of like a Chuck E. Cheese, no offense if you own a Chuck E. Cheese or love Chuck E. Cheese, but it was just this kid's play place, and it just wasn't very well kept up. You know what I'm talking about? You've been to a place, and you're like, oh, when was the last time they cleaned anything? in here. And so as a, as a teenager, I even was like, this is a little dirty. And normally my mom is the clean freak. And so we had this, we were babysitting for my niece and, and she, for the two days before, and the entire time we were there, all she would say is she said the word slide, 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 slide. And I kid you not, this kid went on the slide 5,000 times. That's right. That's all she was focused on. She loved the slide. She didn't care if there was throw up or If, you know, the pizza tasted like it was rubber. I was focused on the pizza, and I was really disappointed. It wasn't very good, and and so that doesn't matter to a child. They care about one thing, and they cared about just that experience and about about just that opportunity, and that, that, that niece of mine was so focused on just being able to go onto a slide. And, you know, sometimes as adults, uh, we have the, the ability to not always have the same focus. And so I want to jump into this passage here in Luke chapter 18, verses 15 
through 17. We're going to read the whole thing and then we're going to break it down. So in verse 15 it says, One day some parents brought their little children to Jesus so he could touch and bless them. But when the disciples saw this, they scolded the parents for bothering him. Then Jesus called for the children and said to the disciples, Let the children come to me. Don't stop them, for the kingdom of God belongs to those who are like these children. I tell you the truth. Anyone who doesn't receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it. There's some hard teaching in this passage. And we're going to break that down throughout this message. But I want to look at, right away, again at verse 15. Now, what sticks out to me as we look at this right away is we look at these parents bringing their children to Jesus. Because it was natural in this time for the parents to bring their kids to Jesus. They believed around the age of one that they needed to bring their child to a rabbi for, for a special teaching, teaching or a special uh, blessing and anointing uh, from the teacher. And so they were doing that. They believed in that. And the disciples, everybody go, boo. Boo. The disciples. Man, when I read this, I'm like, disciples, what are you thinking? Why are you holding back these, pre- these, these precious little, little children? The disciples, what do they say? They say, hey, we, we don't need these, these kids around. I mean, Jesus is probably blessed enough kids, right? They're on their way to the Passover. They were very focused and they were very on track about getting to Jerusalem, to the Passover. And that was their vision and that was their focus. And they were like, okay, yeah, Jesus, we know you like to bless kids, all this stuff. We get it. But can we just get to the Passover, please? I mean, how many of you guys in here have somebody in your family, or maybe it's you, where it's, it's after Sunday on church, and this will happen today. It's after Sunday. And there's the family member who just will not leave. They find somebody to talk to, right? Is anybody that family member wants to admit it? Okay, a few. I'm that family member. It's like 1245, and there's only two people here, and somehow from opposite ends of the church, they find each other <laughs> right in the middle, and you guys end up in a conversation, and you're like, oh, come on, Dad, just let's go, right? And so I imagine the disciples kind of feel like this. They were, they were focused on getting to Jerusalem. They were focused on getting to the Passover, and they said, hey, don't, don't bother Jesus right now. They were focused on something. Now, focus, focus necessarily isn't very bad, but Jesus scolds them because their focus wasn't in the right place. Now, the, one of the examples that, I, that comes to my mind when I think of ho- focus is horse racing. Are there any horse racing fans in here? No, not one. Okay, there wasn't in first service either. I just figured we're in Nebraska that we'd have a chance. Oh, we have one horse fan. Okay, any, any other horse fans in the gym? I know you guys are the horse lovers down there. I'm just going to pray that you are so you'll understand what I'm talking about. But the horse, the, the, the horse racing, one of the things that I know about horse racing... All I, all I know I learned from the movie Seabiscuit. And it's that they wear, that they wear these blinders, right? And horse racing, I got, I've been getting some updates lately on my ESPN app about, uh, I guess it's California Chrome. I called it California Google in the first service and everybody's like, no! It's like a, it's like a search engine, whatever. California Chrome, the horse can win the triple crown. But one of the things that they, they do in horse racing is they put blinders on a horse. Right? Why do they do that? So the horse has a very limited band of focus. Right? Horse people? Is that right? Yeah, okay, very good. So they do that so the horse is focused. So it's not looking at all these other things around it. So it's focused on running fast. It's focused on getting there first. It doesn't get distracted by the horses to the right or to the left. That's what they have the jockey there for. So it knows how to 
push the horse, and that's what they're focused on. Now, focus is a good thing, but in certain areas, it would be really bad for that horse to wear those blinders, wouldn't it? If a horse walked around all the time wearing those narrow-viewed blinders, it's not going to end well for the horse. It's going to break its ankle. It's going to step on something. It's not going to be able to see if something's coming to attack it, right? It's going to be very negative for the, for the horse. But the reality is, is there are times when, when you and I wear, wear blinders like that spiritually. We can get so focused on, on one thing. Maybe it's a good thing. Maybe it's on something that God has really asked us to, asked us to do, or maybe it's on something that's not of God. But, we get so focused that we don't see the big picture like the disciples. They were focused on getting to Jerusalem. They weren't focused on letting the little kids come. They weren't focused on on greeting and spending time with the people. I know that happens to me sometimes when I'm busy or I'm on a mission or I'm focused on getting somewhere or I need to make sure that this gets done in ministry. Sometimes I'll speed through because I don't feel like I need to have those conversations when maybe that's what God's saying to me, but I'm focused on getting this set up or doing this. We all do that at certain times, don't we? We have the ability to, to focus on certain things. But God is, but God is saying, hey, come, God, come to me without those blinders on. See, little children, I guarantee you that the one-year-olds, those little children that came to Jesus, they weren't there and they didn't say, Oh, I'm so excited to get a blessing from this rabbi today. Do you think they said that? Last time I had a conversation with a one-year-old, it was something like, Right? Maybe you have more intelligent one-year-olds, but last time I talked to one, it was a little bit like that. Why did they go? Because the child trusted their parents. The parents said go and do it, so the child was focused on what the parent had to say. So, so they listen. They have this complete trust and abandon to their parent. That's what they were focused on. They were focused solely on what they saw their parents do, what their parents say, not on all these other things. That's how Jesus wants us to come to him. He wants us to come to him like a child. Like a child. A child doesn't doesn't have some of the same things in their mind. You know, I don't know about you, but I've never heard a child talk to me about taxes or global warming. Maybe, what about you guys? You had, had that happen? No, I, I haven't. I, I, I kid you not. This is a real conversation that I had uh, with a student uh, recently. Hey, Pastor Ed, you're never going to guess what I saw. Like, what, what did you see, man? He's like, oh, I was driving with my dad. And I saw a nuclear warhead. I'm like, what? What do you mean? He's like, yeah, we're driving. And I saw this huge thing fly overhead. And it was a nuclear warhead. I'm like, really? How do you know it was a nuclear warhead? (laughs) I'm kind of laughing because I'm like, "Uh, that's something that I feel like I would know about if Nebraska was being attacked by a nuclear nuclear strike. Uh, And so he's like, yeah, I I just know it was. I'm like, how? Okay, that's cool, man. I don't know how you, how you know that, but he's like, oh, it just had to be. It was this huge, big thing. And for, and for a child, sometimes, they have this sense of imagination, of awe, of wonder, of, of things that, that don't necessarily mean the same to us as adults. Some, see, sometimes it's so easy for us as adults to lose our sense of wonder, to lose our sense of awe, to lose our sense of anything is possible. In verse 16, uh, Jesus, Jesus makes this pretty, pretty hard statement. He says, 
Then Jesus called for the children and said to the disciples, Let the children come to me. Don't stop them, for the kingdom of God belongs to those who are like these children. Why would Jesus say that? Why would he say the kingdom of God belongs to those who are like these children? The disciples were the ones who left everything. The disciples were the ones who left their families, left their jobs, sacrificed so much. That was the disciples. There were so many people that wanted to follow God and to know God. Why is the, why is the child the one who belongs, who gets to enter the kingdom? Why is it the child? Well, one of the things that a child still has is that true sense of wonder. That true sense of wonder. That sense of anything is possible. Anything can happen. Now, when I was growing up, uh, I definitely had that sense of wonder. For some of you guys uh, that are watching us today or will be listening later this week, I want to challenge you to think back to what it looked like for you to have a sense of wonder. Uh, as a little kid, you probably had a favorite toy. Okay? Think about what that is. I know some of you it's going to be a little bit harder. Pastor Roger, you might have to think all the way back. I don't know if there was a certain rock that you really liked to play with. or, or <laughs> I'm sorry, I couldn't help it. Uh, <laughs> I, I love you, Roger. Sorry, um, but but for some of us, right, we had these certain certain types of toys, and we had this sense of wonder with them. For me, obviously, uh, this was one of my my favorite toys. This is uh, this isn't yeah. This is a lightsaber. It's not that funny. It's pretty awesome, actually. Get your sense of wonder out, people. Okay, otherwise, I'm coming for you. All right, so. When I was a kid, I, I had a couple of different lightsabers. I actually had the the original Luke Skywalker lightsaber. It was really big. It was really long. It was super awesome. You know, it lit up. It made noises. But I remember uh, one specific time where there was a fly in my house. And as a kid, I thought, oh, this fly is going down. I am a Jedi Knight, and I am going to slash this fly in half with this lightsaber. And I am not going to rest until this fly meets true justice, okay? And so I spent the whole day, I remember, just going after this fly with my lightsaber. And I'd swing, and I'd miss it, and I'd swing. And I was getting really frustrated. And I remember, <laughs> because I thought anything was possible, right? Because I just was so excited. Anytime I had my lightsaber in my hand, I just was like, I can take over the world. I can conquer anything. I'm going to go outside and seize the day and, and beat down bullies and fight bad guys. And I can do anything, right? I just, the world was whatever I wanted it to be because I, I knew that I could conquer it. And this fly was the thing that needed to be conquered. And so this fly was just, the, the villainous insect that it was, was flying around in my living room. And I saw it flying right in the middle of the couch. And I'm like, oh, no, you don't. That is my spot. I sit there. And I went, what? And I went to smack it. And I clearly missed the fly, but I broke my lightsaber in half. And I just cried. I'm like, mom, I broke this. And she's like, what'd you do? I'm like, I was trying to kill a fly. She's like, how did you break it? She's like, I, I swung it at the couch. She's like, didn't you think about that? I'm like, no, I thought I would hit the fly. <laughs> right? So, so I, I, I had this sense of wonder as a child. Another big thing that I really liked to play with was, a, was my parents bought a fridge, and I got the box. How many of you guys played in cardboard boxes? That's a little more Pastor Roger style. So, Roger, I'm sorry. I, I promise that's the last one. I'm sorry. Oh, man, I'm, I'm terrible. Uh, will you forgive me? Okay. All right, so I had a cardboard box, and that box, man, 
it was, you know, the cockpit of the Millennium Falcon. It was the Batmobile. It was everything. It was, it was this, the home base. It was awesome. Anything I imagined it would be. This sense of wonder. Now I want to ask you guys, I mean, do you, do you remember that sense of wonder? Did you ever have that sense of imagination, of, of awe, of what life could be like? Man, I'm going to grow up and I'm going to conquer the galaxy and I'm going to do this thing or I'm going to be this and these dreams and these visions that you had when you were a kid or these dreams and these visions maybe that God gave you. I know sometimes the tendency is to take our, our childlike dreams and awe and wonder and to put them into a box, into a Tupperware container, into a garage sale, into lock them up or put them in a basement until rain damage comes and then you pull them out and you're like, I remember what this was like. We do that sometimes with our childish dreams. But how much more do we do that with some of our godly dreams? Let's think about that for just a minute. Jesus says that in order to get into the kingdom, you have to be like a child. Now, we sometimes forget what it looks like to have that. In Matthew 18, 4, again, Jesus says, so anyone who becomes as humble as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Where is your childlike humility? Where is your childlike wonder? Are you so focused on your job? Are you so focused on your task? Are you so focused on whatever it is that's right in front of you that you've lost your sense of dream and vision and wonder in your life? I want to ask you this question for those of you that that haven't been to a, a moment where you've really made Christ the Lord and leader of your of your life. I want to we're going to challenge you and give you an opportunity to respond to that later. But for the rest of you who have had that moment and you first came to Christ, do you remember what that sense of wonder felt like? Man, the old is gone, the new has come, and there's this joy and there's this energy and there's this excitement. Right? Is anybody feeling excited? Because that's how I feel when I think about it. I was going to read my Bible every day. I was gonna, I was gonna fast for a month and a half. And then after three days, I'm like, oh, popcorn, right? And we, we get these visions and we, and we have these grandiose ideas of what we can do with Christ. I'm gonna lock myself in my room and just listen to worship music. I'm gonna journal every single day. I'm gonna read all these books. I'm gonna do this Bible study. I'm gonna do this plan. I'm gonna go to a Christian college so I can learn about what it looks like to be a pastor and to have to lead others to Christ. I'm going to be a Royal Rangers leader. I'm going to work in youth ministry. I'm going to be in Royal Family Kids Camp, right? When you come to Christ, all these dreams and these visions and this newness and this wonder and this potential of, wow, I can't imagine what my life looked like before, but I'm so happy that I have Christ. And there's this sense of what, what is it going to look like for me now? Do you, do you still have that living inside of you daily? Or has that been somehow set aside and locked into a box and, and put away somewhere? Where is that childlike sense of awe and wonder, that faith like a child? Where is that in your life today? Those sense of possibilities. Guys, we need to remember that our childlike wonder in our relationship with God is not a waste of time. It is key. And it is essential that that is what we do. We come to God and we have that sense of joy and that sense of wonder. That's what God has called us to. He truly calls us to be that and to live that. That's what children do. Children are all in. 
When I was a kid, one of my favorite things to do with my dad was to hide on top of the, the dryer until he would come by. And I'd jump into his arms. Eventually, you know, I got a little bit bigger than him. He's about five, six. And so <laughs> it didn't take very long. But yeah, as a kid, I just knew my dad was going to catch me, right? I knew it. I trusted him. I'm like, Dad, here I come. Boom. And he's not even paying attention. He's like, whoa. And eventually one day he's like, you probably should stop that. I think my back hurts. Right? And so, but I had this sense, it's my dad. He's going to catch me. It's my dad. It's my dad. I, I want to surrender to you, dad. I get it. I'm all in. And here I am. I jump off the dryer and my dad catches me. That's, that's the faith that Christ calls us to. We need to surrender like a child. We need to say, I'm all in. I'm, I'm jumping off this dryer and I know that God is going to catch me. I'm going to have that faith that says, I, those possibilities, those dreams, those visions you've given me, that passion, it's not dead. It maybe was just, it was just, it was just off to the side. It was out of my focus. And today maybe we need to, we all need to take the blinders off a little bit to return to that point of awe and wonder and surrender in our lives. Because this is some of the, the hard truth that Jesus says in verse 17. He says, I tell you the truth. Anyone who doesn't receive, receive the kingdom of heaven like a child will never enter it. I'm going to read that again. I tell you the truth. Anyone who doesn't receive the kingdom of God like a child, will you read this with me? Will never enter it. This is a pretty strong word. Will never will never enter it. See, the, the disciples, the people, the Pharisees, they always go to Jesus and they ask him, how do I get into the kingdom? How do I get into the kingdom? Right after this, we see the story of the rich young ruler where he comes to him and Jesus says, hey, he goes to, the rich young ruler goes to Jesus and he says, how do I get into the kingdom? And Jesus says, take all your possessions and sell them. And he goes away sad. He doesn't jump off. He doesn't say, I'm all in. He doesn't say, God, I'm going to trust you. He doesn't come like a child. He doesn't receive the kingdom like a child. This is pretty strong. This is pretty harsh. Where are we today? I know I want to receive the kingdom, but I don't always have the heart of a child. I don't always live with that child like abandon, because a child only does what he sees the father do, and he, he does it in trust and obedience. I know I don't always do things out of trust and obedience. I do things sometimes in my own strength. And, and don't we do that? But we have to receive it like a child. See, there's a big difference between receiving something and accepting something. Today, you're, you're, all, you're all hearing a message. And each one of you are, are here and some of you are going to accept it. You're going to take this message and say, okay, that was, that was the worst message I ever heard. <laughs> or that was a good message. Or whatever you take it and you think, oh, okay, I have this message. Now, the question is, when you accept it, you have control. It's still in your hands. In order to receive it, you have to allow God to make that real and to live and to apply in your heart. There's a huge difference between accepting and receiving it because a child can accept, can, can accept the fact that he's supposed to hold on to his parents' hand Right when they go to go to a zoo or go to a circus or go somewhere like that. But if a child doesn't receive that in his heart, he's going to let go of his hand and be separated from his parents. When when I was when I was a kid, I had that experience. To me, I was 
I was uh, at a mall with my dad. And growing up, I had watched the TV show um, Emergency 911. Or it was one of those shows, something, one of those old shows um, where it showed you what it looked like to actually have these things happen. And so they, they did this real response call where a child had his shoelaces untied and got sucked into an escalator. And as a, as a six, seven-year-old kid, I watched this and was like, huh, huh. I was scared out of my mind for the next three days. And this, is, this was weird, but for the next three days, I was like going upstairs like, and like checking to see like if someone put an escalator in my house. Clearly a weird thing to do, but I was that afraid, you know, <laughs> that I was just going to get sucked in. Because I was so afraid of that. And uh, we, were, we were going up this escalator, and my dad steps on first, and I was about to step on, and I didn't. And we're, he's about half the way to a third of the way up, and he looks right where I should be, and he, and he doesn't see me there. And so he spins around, and he sees me down, and he's like, what are you doing? I'm like, Dad, I couldn't do it. And so my dad, on top of the escalator, he runs around, and he looks for a way down, and I'm seeing him, and, and I'm like, oh man, this is going to be the worst day ever. I'm going to be lost in the middle of nowhere. I don't have a phone. I don't know how to call my parents. I, this is going to be like the worst. I wanted to just go to Legoland, and now I'm stuck by myself, right? And I'm, I know that this is going to be the worst day. I'm scared. I'm alone. I just want my dad to come back. And I see he's running around, and then I lose track of him. And I'm like, Dad, where did he go? But I stood there, just like he said. And all of a sudden, I turned around, and he was right there. He said, hey, we're going to get through this together. All I need you to do is to trust me. I need you to surrender I need you to surrender your hand to my hand. Right? And he grabbed my hand and we went on the escalator. And I was more scared than I've ever been, I think, about anything. And we went up that escalator. And it was almost like, if you've seen the movie Elf, (laughs) you know, where he, I can't do the splits, but he like does the splits. And I was scared out of my mind. And finally I was able to, my dad was still able to lift me off of it. And I got off. And every time I went on an escalator for the rest of that vacation, my dad held my hand. And towards the end of the vacation... I was comfortable enough to be close to him, but not hold his hand because I had grown in that. But that's what Jesus says that we need to do. We need to surrender like a child. We need to have absolute faith and trust in our Father. And for us, for each one of us, is we, we can't wear our blinders and we can't be focused on this, that, and the other and still have trust and complete absolute faith and abandon to God. A child has trust. I had to put my trust in God. And here's the hard truth is that Jesus says unless we truly receive in our hearts the kingdom of God with this kind of faith and trust we're not going to get in. That's that's some hard teaching. That's the trust and faith that we need to have in our true relationship with God. That faith that says God I trust you. I have a sense of awe and wonder and I'm fully surrendered to you and no matter what, I'm going to come to you because I know you're going to work out what's best for me and in my life and in my heart. We face hard situations in life. I faced a lot of hard situations this last year. I still face hard situations. There's times for me where I realize, even this last week, I wasn't holding onto God's hand the way that I needed to be. And if that happens to me, it probably happens to you. That's the hard truth. Is he want, is God wants us to have that abandon, that sense of awe and wonder like a child. He says if we don't, 
we're not going to be able to enter it. Jesus gives us an absolutely great example of what it looks like to have that sense of awe and wonder. The way that Jesus lived his life is he is fully abandoned to Christ. Or to, he is Christ. He's fully abandoned to God. He lives his life. He gets away. He spends time in the wilderness and the desert. He goes away and he prays. He makes this statement. And I want to read this for you out of John chapter 5. He says, Jesus gave them this answer. Very truly I tell you, the Son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his Father doing. Because whatever the Father does, the Son also does. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all he does. Jesus, Christ, only did what he saw the Father do. People were always asking him, Jesus, are you a prophet? Are you a teacher? Where do you get this power? Are you demon-possessed? What are you? People are always asking Jesus all these questions. They're trying to figure out who he is. And he always comes back and he says, I can only do what I see the Father do. He was so locked in with his Father, but that's what he did. He faced temptation. He faced trials of doing things his own way. And even in his last moments, he says, you know, if this cup, if you would take this cup from me, but then, it, then he, he allows God to be full and to allow him to do and give the ultimate sacrifice for us. He does what he sees the Father do. He is so in tune with his Father. Today, where, where are each one of you? I don't want you to, to maybe tune out this message because maybe you didn't have the best relationship with your parents or the best relationship with your father. You know, I'd love to live in a world where royal family, kids camp, and track camp doesn't exist because that would mean children are being having their physical and emotional and spiritual needs met in their homes by their families. Would you love to see that? Because I would love to see that. But we, we live in a world where these things are absolutely necessary. And we, we have opportunities to see kids get felt love and need from these camps and these things. So there are kids that are like that. There are kids that have had that experience. But through all of those things, God still wants to meet them. And he still wants to meet you if that's you in this place, if you've had some negative experiences with your family. God wants a revolution to take place in your life and in your heart. And the question is, are you going to come to him with a a sense of childlike awe and wonder, with a sense of childlike surrender? I trust you. I need you. Because he said, because Jesus made the statement, if you don't, how can you inherit the kingdom? Jesus wants you to accept and to have that sense of childlike faith and awe and wonder. So today, as we're bringing this to a close, the challenge is really going to be, where are you in your sense of childlike faith and awe and wonder? Are you still at the same place where you were when you came to Christ and you had that sense of imagination and dream and vision for what God was going to do? Or along the way, as it kind of got a little bit lost and backseated to some other visions? Today, the challenge truly is to allow that surrender and awe to come back into our lives and lead us down the path that Christ has for us, a path of surrender, a path of trust, a path of hand-in-hand with the Father daily that says, I'm abandoned to you and I'm going to trust you through these hard situations, through these hard times, and I'm going to give my life to you with all that I have. That's how we get into the kingdom. 
So as, as we pray, uh, as the worship team is about to come and as we go into worship time, will you be open and vulnerable and pray that and seek God for that? To go to altars, to go down to a place where you can meet God and evaluate that in your life? And let spiritual revolution take place in your heart in those areas. So will you stand with me as we pray? Father God, we thank you so much for what you're doing. We thank you so much for the things that you give us and for the ability to spread your word and to love on young people and for the fact that you died for us and that you want us to have a sense of childlike faith and awe and wonder. I pray that today would be a day where revolution takes place into our hearts and into our lives. Help us, God, seek you. Help us, God, surrender to you. Help us, God, have that sense of wonder in our lives. God, we, we need you. We can't do this without you, and we get so focused on so many different things without you. Help us hear you. Help us see you today. Don't let us leave here until we leave here a little bit closer to you. We truly need you, God. So be with us. Speak to our hearts in this time of response, and we just give it all to you. Amen.